Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. A few of us have assembled to bring you a bit pod recording tonight. We've decided against making a trip down to the EFL offices to harass the admin staff who work in the offices there, uh, as tempting as that was. And we're going to talk about things instead, because um, that's definitely a, a more productive way to spend your week. Oh, well, or an hour, even. But the point I was making was well, he was down there a week that... That bloke doing all sorts of stuff, wasn't he? Right, we are going to talk tonight um, about the salary cap, which is obviously the uh, announcement of the um, League One and League Two clubs voting in favour to bring in a salary cap was good timing for us today. Also talk about the signing Sunderland have made and uh, how the squad is shaping up in general. We'll uh, have a quick discussion on the new kits, because why not do some positive stuff as well? And uh, if we've got time... We'll talk about the social distancing measures and the, the, the fact that fans might be able to return uh, to football soon. So, joining me tonight, I have Richard Easterbrook. Hello. Hi, I have Michael Luff. Hello. And of course, because we're talking about salary caps and finances, <laughs> we will be doing you a disservice if we didn't bring <laughs> in the uh, finance. We put the, nice. we put the F sign, we put it out in the air, <laughs> and he has come... To speak to us tonight, Christopher Weatherspoon. <laughs> okay? Thanks. Thanks for that. Get, getting excited. Getting the, excited there. The, the thing is, the right. way you've described that isn't even that dissimilar from what happened. Because until like about five hours ago, I was nothing to do with this podcast. <laughs> Don't say that. You were. You are. No, I, I was just, How you know, there was been? always three of us. So I always needed one more. And then I thought, well, it is obvious. We'll, we, will, um, we will get Chris in to do that. And we might as well crack on with that straight away. Um, although we we will just say that um, in case you aren't aware, the PFA have since come out and made a statement um, to speak against this, haven't they? Um, and they've said the EFL has ignored its legal obligation to consult with the PFA and the Professional Football Negotiating and Consultative Committee. As such, uh, the legal advice we've received is clear and that the salary cap envisaged by the EFL would be unlawful and unenforceable. Your thoughts on that first, Chris? Um, I mean, pretty expected, I think. I mean, it's, a, just, it's a union, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly, it's a union, and there's not really probably a union worth the salt who are going to be, like, just willfully accepting um, that the members are going to lose out, which I think... And I think, to be fair, I mean, if, if what they're saying is true and, like, the EFL haven't properly consulted them, I mean, it's pretty short-sighted, and it's pretty daft, because this is, like... This is like a really kind of like seismic change that they've tr- that they've brought it through today, and, and, and I, I mean they they trying to say it's with immediate effect, but the PFA as well is saying that they've served its notice of arbitration on the AFL, and until yeah. such time that arbitration is determined one way or another, the new regulations should have no effect. Yeah, which make, which again makes sense, and I, it's just like I mean I think I, I've got sympathy for the AFL in one way because I think. Despite, and I know we'll go into like the effects on like Sunland and and what we, what like our fans might think about, it, but I think the reason they've tried to bring it in with immediate effect is because of like the gravity of the situation it's facing a lot of clubs as a result of like the pandemic. And to be fair, the way football finance was going anyway, but obviously it's been accelerated. So I think I do have a bit of sympathy, but when that is the case, you would think they would do everything they could to get people like the PFA on side. So. I mean, without like bashing the EFL because it is it is easy to do. We do it quite often. Like, if they haven't followed the proper procedures and stuff like that, they're kind of hamstringing themselves from the start. Yeah. Um, your immediate thoughts on that? I'll come to you, Richard and Michael, before we let Chris dive into the finance stuff. Because <laughs> uh, well, because there's two there's two ways of looking at this, just to try and generalise it. And the, and the positive thing is it will bring all clubs uh, closer together. Um, it, it puts a lid on people um, overspending and damaging themselves and causing self-harm uh, financially. But the negative is that um, there's a strong argument to say that if, if if clubs earn more than others and have more income than others because they're bigger clubs and they bring in um, more fans, um, sell more merchandise and stuff, then, then they should be able to spend that money how they are safe fit. So th- those are the two general arguments for and against. Well, exactly. It just sounds a bit odd if you've got Accrington at one end of the scale um, having the same kind of spending power as Sunderland at the other end of the scale. You know, it's 
it, that needs to be taken into consideration. It can't just be one flat cap because it's everyone operates on different variables. So it's it, it, straight out of the blocks. I think it's a bit of a non-starter for me. Yeah, I'd agree with what you're saying there. Um, I think another f- worry I have about the new rule when this come in is that it might weaken the standard of the league quite considerably because I think players who would previously be minded to sign for a League One club might be able to get better wages in different countries. So I think that might have a knock-on effect. And then you might have a situation where clubs who are getting promoted to the Championship are a lot weaker, so they're coming straight back down. So I, I just think it might have a knock-on effect for the general standard of the level that we're playing at. There's definitely an argument for that. I mean, some players would potentially be sitting on the bench at a championship club and then think, right, I need, I need to get out of here to reignite my career. And then suddenly if, if the way to do that is to take a massive, massive pay cut because we know that the, the championship throws money around, um, then they might not do that. So I, I, I take your point with that. Chris, do you want to break down exactly how this works for, for some people? Because it's not that black and white, really, unless you are... Of a finance mind like yourself. Unless you're sad, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think that's fair because I had a f- few people asking the day and it isn't that clear. So basically, because um, I think when this first came in, we, we all heard two and a half million and we were like, well, hang on, that's what we're apparently paying out on players that aren't even at the club anymore. So it's kind of like, well, how on earth can we comply with this? And basically what they've done, it's like a transitional thing. So all of the players that we've got contracted over the age of 21 or 21 and over as of today um, their contribution to the cap so obviously they'll still get paid however much they're on but their contribution for like the purposes of the cap is like an average and they've done it on like the average league one wage which hasn't been confirmed but it's been reported in quite a few places has been like uh, 1750 pounds a week so if you work it out, if we've got 18 senior pros, which I think we do if you include Denver Hume and Elliot Emelton, who would, it's hard, it's, they're right on the cusp of that 21 borderline, but just based on what I've read today, it does look like they would fall into like the senior squad. So we've got 18 players who are allowed 22. If those 18 players, um, if we put them all on that average wage, we've got about, I think we've got 860 grand left to play with for the year which works out at about um, 16 grand a week, 16 and a half grand a week across four players who we could bring in over the age of 21. So I don't think, I think, firstly, I don't think it's as, I, I've got some other thoughts on it. I, I certainly don't think from that point of view, it's as disastrous as it might initially sound to us because obviously we all know that our wage bill is way over two and a half million. So having that kind of transition element in, um, that's a help to clubs like us. Um, I think, um, oh, then the other the other kind of valid point to note is that, yeah, you can have a maximum of twenty two players this season, then that's going to drop, um, to twenty one the season after, then twenty the season after that. So I think, the whole point of it is, and again, like it might be hard, harder for us to see it from this perspective, but the whole point of it is like what you said before, Stephen, about it's about looking after clubs and it's about. Um, it's about stopping clubs from going bust, and like I, I think Berry, again, are a good example. I mean, they they chucked chucked a lot of money at players, and then the owner ran out of money, and and we know how and we know what happened there, kind of thing. So it's to it is to try and avoid that sort of situation happening because for the most part, for a lot of clubs, the highest for a lot of businesses, the the highest costs are like staff wages. So that's what they're trying to combat. And I can, I can understand why people are a bit miffed, but I think from our perspective, we've had this like financial advantage for two, so, so-called financial advantage for two years. Not really we've worked done, out, has it? Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is what I mean. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it there before and I was thinking, you know, like if this salary cap had been in place 18 months ago, we wouldn't have been able to sign Will Grigg. And now that's just one, one player on a I'm identifying and I'm not I'm not blaming him and I'm, I'm not blaming anyone in particular kind of thing but the move hasn't worked out but we all know it cost us a lot in transfer fee at this level and it's costing us a lot in wages and now <laughs> things don't happen in isolation and like we've what's happened since then it's been pretty clear that there's been like a lot of cost cutting across the board 
the team suffered, the academy suffered, the club as a whole has suffered. And I think he kind of, one upside I think is it, stupid decisions like that, it gets rid of, it gets rid of like any incentive to do that because you're going you're gonna to break the cap. And I think I take, I take the point about Accrington, um, but there's, there is also like a fair point to be made in that, like, because we keep, we keep saying, well, we earn a lot more money than every other club and all this sort of thing. We also spend a lot more money than every other club. Like we've, we've talked at length on here about like how this football club isn't sustainable in this division. Yeah. Now, now, I, I think ultimately, like, it's not the case that we're going to be like earning money and then we've just got loads of money sitting, sitting around that we can't spend. Actually, like, we st- we're, we're going to lose money in this division the longer we spend here because income's going to go down, but the cost of run the stadium, whatever else is going to, it's not going to reduce. Well, the, so, cost, the cost of running the stadium is probably about the same as the the average League One wage, well, if not more. It, it'll be, yeah, it's more. I think Electricity like, bill will be huge. I think it's, it, it's hard to tell for definite, but if you look at the accounts that came out last week, like once you strip out all the like wages and like transfer fees and whatever else, and if you look at just like what they need to keep the lights on, it was about like twelve million quid a year, and like in this division, the longer we stay here, the more likely we are to drop below that level of income. So, I think like I, I get I get why people are peeved, but the fact of the matter is we we are still going to have to rely on owners putting money into the club in this division. So it it's not really like it's not like we can turn around and go, hey, we're we're really sustainable in this league. Like we should be allowed to spend more. I think the other. I'll stop rambling in a minute. But the other point um, that I took from it is, it, there's an there's actually an opportunity here. Like ultimately, now I, I get I do I think possibly the most valid criticism of it is about the gap that it it might open up between the championship and League One. I would argue that there's already a pretty big gap there. Like if you look, Charlton came straight back down. Barnsley would have come straight back down if if Wigan's owners hadn't done what they did which was an absolute scandal and Luton only got out of it through like a really good run from a manager who who's just well suited to them so I think so there's already a there's already a really big gap and well and exactly I, so people would be worried that's going to get bigger and yeah, harder they are going to get they are going to put like the die is already kind of cast in that regard and I think like ultimately yeah okay we're one of we're one of the clubs who are in this division and think and I agree that were too big to be in this division. Now, that doesn't change just because we're now limiting how much we can spend on players. Like for years, we've whinged about players coming here for a payday, saying they only they only come to Sunderland because they want to get paid a bit extra money. Like two years ago, there was a player who who came up here, asked for more money, and this this was the owner was on record saying this at the time. Came up here, said he wanted. X amount of money, and we said no, that's too high. And he went and signed for a, for a team in the league above for less money, because he thought I can come to Sunderland and I can get more money. Now that we, I think we'd all agree, those aren't the sort of players we want at the club. That's not going to happen now. No, yeah. I, and I was, yeah, I was, I, think, that, I was yeah. thinking about. My stop yeah, I was thinking about that earlier, actually. If 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 we'd had if we'd had some of these um, restrictions in place when we were in the Premier League, yeah. uh, it might have helped us. But of course. They weren't in place. They aren't in place, really. And a lot of people are asking why the EFL haven't um, extended this to the championship, even if it's a, if it's a lot higher. I, th- I think a big issue is, and this was a point I hadn't really thought about until I re- read it a few weeks ago, because it, it was in reference to like the owners and directors test. The EFL are a little bit like hamstrung in that they can only move at like the pace that the the clubs want them to. If you know yeah. what I mean. So like. The championship are talking about it, but unless the championship clubs all turn around and go, hey, no, we we want a cap as well, yeah. like the league, which which is an issue, which is an issue in like football governance in itself, and I'm not saying that that makes it all okay, but um, I think ultimately, if we take a step back from this, I do think for football as a whole, I don't actually think this is that a bad thing. I think like if if we if we're serious about keeping the amount of clubs we have in the league currently and there's an argument that there's too many clubs in the league a lot of people won't hear it but there is an argument um if we're serious about 
keeping the league at 72, 92 clubs, then something does need to be done. And especially with what's going on, because clubs are going to go at the wall. And I, and I think, like, yeah, from our perspective, we can look at it and say, well, this isn't fair. We're a bigger club. We should be allowed to spend more money. But on that point, we still do have... Nobody's actually taking any money away from us. They're just saying we can't spend it on players. Now, so if that's the case, and we've said, well, actually, we've, we've got this pot that we were going to spend on players... Why don't we go and why don't we put it in the academy? There's a reason why they've said players under the age of twenty one don't count towards this. Why don't we put it in recruitment? Why don't we put it in the like data? Stuff that we should have been doing anyway. There's an opportunity here. Like Brentford are the easy example. Brentford, like the season before last, had like the third or fourth lowest wage bill in the championship. And they've just been ninety minutes away from getting the Premier League. So it's if if you do to me anyway, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but there's an opportunity here to be smart about it. We've complained for years that we do things stupidly as a club, so here's an opportunity to go right. I tell you what, we'll spend a fortune on data guys. We'll spend a fortune on the best academy coaches, on the best kids, and we'll bring them through. Like to me, that's an opportunity. I'd rather we did that than keep pissing money up the wall on like journeymen who we're gonna have to get rid of if we do get promoted anyway. Agree. Yeah, I I I do agree with that, but I I think it's just the the idea and the principle of the thing, isn't it? In a way that the somebody's restricting you uh, and telling you, you know, you can't spend money on your on your stuff, um, which which what is mean, what the yeah. union obviously aren't yeah. aren't happy about. But um, it's one of you like thing. to think that they would. Sorry, one go thing ahead. I thought one thing I I was just thinking about there, and, and Chris kind of touched on is that agents and players do see Sunderland as a payday um, but they're going to have to get wise to that because they're going to go around clubs and they're going to know that every club's going to have the same kind of pot uh, same kind of, of percentage to play with and they won't be able to play clubs against each other with too much of a margin they'll probably be able to do maybe a little bit of, of, of playing against each other but not for huge paydays like they could get by coming to Sunderland And Chris am I right in thinking that agent fees are included in this? Yeah, so it's basically, I think the best way to put it is it's basically any cost incurred by getting a player registered. So yeah, so agent fees are included. So so they're going to see a hit. Uh, hotels a hit. as well. I, <laughs> I think literally like pretty much like kind of any, the, from what I read there today, it is pretty much anything that helps you sign. So the main things that are excluded are promotion bonuses. So there, there's a there's an opportunity you say to players, I tell you what, like, you get it, you get us promoted. He's a, he's a whacking great sum kind of thing. And to be fair, that's what a lot of clubs in the championship do already. Like, yeah. Off the top of my head, Wolves, Cardiff, Fulham, Sheffield United—they've all done it in recent years because it's all it's allowable under like the the regulations there. So there's promotion bonuses and then there's cup bonuses. So if we somehow manage to clear the hurdle of Gillingham in the first round of the FA Cup this year. Um, you could you could incentivize them that way. So there are there are areas around it, and there are, I, we it's not like, like like I've just said, we we still have a financial advantage. It's just being smart with it, and we've had a financial advantage for two years, and we haven't been smart with it. So it would be nice if it encourages us to to be smarter with it. I guess we're going to find out now then, because we, we've always always had this idea as a Sunderland fan, or a romantic idea that. People want to play for the club because it's a big club, great supporters. And as we've just touched on there, actually, when you strip it all back and you find out that that's not the case at all and people tend to come up here because they know they're going to get more money than elsewhere. So we're about to find out, aren't we, if that is the case. Because in League One, it shouldn't be an issue. Shouldn't be an issue. But I still think that, like, really, because it, it it's not like, like, OK, yeah, it's a level playing field, but that doesn't mean anyone's gone ahead of us in terms of, like, their level of attraction sort of thing like you've just said there Stephen like really if a player knows look this is the maximum wage I can get in this division we should be able to turn around and go well why the hell would you want to go get that anywhere else come, come get it here like I, I take what I take your point earlier about players going abroad I honestly think it's overblown the idea with that the vast majority of players in this league are end up doing like a merry-go-round in this league regardless like the the there will be a bit of a talent dream that there's going to be the odd one, but I think in the grand scheme of things, like we should still be able to pick up the best of what's available at this level. 
I, I do. I think possibly the main um, potential drawback is see where see where flying, and there's a team in the championship struggling in January, and they they turn around and go, I don't know. See, we've got a twenty goal a season striker. They they turn around and go. I'll tell you what, we'll we'll offer you three times what you're on down there. Now that that that's a drawback, and everything's gonna have a drawback. But I I do think if we're smart about it, there's no reason why. I mean, let's let's be honest, this shouldn't affect us for more than more than a year. Really. It's it opens a kind of worms the way I guess because it, it means now that. Players who come in might not be on the same as players who are already here and stuff. And you you can't take the human element away from football, and yeah. we've we've all heard those stories before. So it, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. It'll be really interesting to see if the PFA can can do anything with this, really. Um, and, and and that's one you know I am I'm, I'm fascinated to see if it if it's just all bluster from them or whether they are right what they're saying, and uh, uh, you can't just suddenly do that. So. We'll see. Um, it doesn't affect people who we've signed um, already this summer. Uh, Bailey Wright, Aidan O'Brien, so far. Uh, Michael, happy with... Well, we'll start with the one who we all know and we're all familiar with. Yeah. Sunderland looked a lot better last season um, when Bailey Wright was playing. Yeah, I mean, in Bailey Wright, I think we've essentially got a championship quality centre-half from what I saw of him when he played he, um, we kept four clean sheets in five games when he did play and I think I saw a stat before he signed for us on loan that he's actually quite a good ball player when you look at the stats so I think he was um, up then either top for kind of a pass completion rate for centre-halves in the championship which is really encouraging um, but no I'm really pleased that we've got Bailey Wright but he was kind of a player that without kind of just wanting to put a downer on it you'd kind of expect us to sign um, and I'm really pleased as well to be fair with uh, is it remember Jan and Villa Mickey yeah true remember Jan and Villa uh, to be fair we probably shouldn't lead a witch hunt about Cannes should we when after the Cannes <laughs> for Jan thing a few years ago um, <laughs> but um, no I'm pleased that we've got is it um, Ian O'Brien from Millwall I'm, I'm pleased with him yeah. I mean when you look at like purely statistically with him maybe you don't get that excited but I know you can't take too much off a YouTube compilation because once I made Josie Altador look like Didier Drogba. But I think that um, looking at the different types of goals he scores, he looks as though he feeds off scraps, he gets in the right areas and he scores all kinds of goals, which can only be a positive. And the uh, two occasions he's been in this league before, he scored um, like 15 plus goals. So if he can replicate that this season, then he'll be our top scorer by a country mile based on what we've seen from White and Grigg. So yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with the two signs we've made. Be interesting to know where he plays because am I right in thinking he, he he said he prefers to play up front, but he, he also plays out wide as one of the wide forwards as well. Yeah, I saw a lot of Millwall fans saying that he hasn't really had a fair crack of a whip playing up front in his kind of natural position. So hopefully he'll be able to to do that here. But it's also good that he um, brings that versatility as well. Because if we are going to be limited in terms of squad size, it's good if you can have somebody who can fill in for positions in what will be a very long and grueling season again. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, going back to Bailey Wright in in defence, Richard? Do we do we think that's enough? Because I I mentioned there when I asked the question, we looked a lot better when he was in the team. Flanagan signed a contract. Yeah. Willis, uh, we we know excelled. It's a good back three on paper, but of course Bailey Wright got injured and his injury record is not great. Yeah, and obviously you've got to factor in the fact we don't have uh, Alamos Turk. Um... And to a much lesser extent, uh, Baldwin as well. So you, you, you would think, and Joel Lynch to so a much lesser extent. Yeah, that, and that's, Lynch a, as well, that's, yeah, that's a harsh Lynch. line on him. <laughs> so I think we do need a few more bodies through. Um, um, I'm not sure we've got the the depth in 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 the under 23s to to blood through um, just yet. But yeah, I think we need a couple more bodies. Yeah, we definitely need a set. Another reason why we definitely need a centre-half is because Parkinson really likes to play that um, system with three centre-backs. So if you've got um, a couple of injuries, you've either got to drop to four at the back or, like you say, you've got to kind of trust lads in the under-23. So I think it's very important that we have as many bodies as possible who are capable of stepping in when needed at centre-half. And especially when you've got the the fact that the 46 games this season are going to be condensed into a, a month shorter space than it were 
yeah, you know, in, in regular seasons. So, so there's going to be more, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday struggling games. So <laughs> <laughs> we really, need, yeah. we really need to be on top of it in terms of like squad rotation and, and kind of available players. You would hope, though, that if they're going to go and get another centre half, that they would go and get somebody who was they thought was going to be a starter. Because this is the worst thing clubs can do, and Sunderland have been as guilty as anybody in the past, is to see, oh, well, we could do with back up in that area, well, let's go and get a squad player. But the only way you improve your team is to make it better. Yeah. So you see, actually, we've got three good centre halves, let's go and get someone who's better. Ideally. It's not as easy as that, obviously. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of games anyway to go around, so it's even if you know players are signed as covered, they'll probably still get a good few games under the belt. So you know they're all there to challenge each other. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, look, look higher than the, than than League One and see if we can pick up some of the the players that have been released over the summer and see if they fancy a, a stab at League One football. Okay, um, midfield we um, are still lacking in pace and power. Uh, we've been lacking that for about seven years. Like every other club, we every should, other club in we the country. Should just country. sign someone called Pace, and then play <laughs> alongside Max Power, and then problems. Every club in the country has had a midfielder who is strong, powerful, can carry the ball um, from defence to attack. And we what? Yanam Villa maybe, who was only on loan for a little bit. Hey, we, he might be available now. Just turned mm. thirty. So. <laughs> young, young bastard. Um, so that that would be that would be an obvious one for one for wouldn't it for midfield? You think you think with respect George Dobson, but better, a lot better. Yeah, I, I think like we're laughing there about pace, but like like you can't on one hand the amount of players with pace we've signed in recent years and stuff, and it's it's literally well yeah exactly, <laughs> and it's like. Um, it it shouldn't be so too hard to surely to find some like up and coming quick lad. I don't know even even if division division or two below and that sort of thing. Like well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'll tell you what on that because we, we we when I asked our Twitter followers now our listeners if they had any questions or points to raise, somebody um, put some credit the way of uh, Jim Rodwell. Now might not go that far. But when we're talking about putting money onto data and stuff, he we're led to believe he is, he is of, of of that ilk, isn't he? Where he looks at data and stuff, and and pace and power and stuff like that could come into that a little bit more, rather than somebody like Tory Corton, but who just who just aims to sign a player who he knows, who we've all heard of before. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, like we've had two years of being run, like we're still in the nineteen eighties, and it hasn't worked very well. So it'd be <laughs> nice if if we could at least progress into the twenty first century. But no, I mean, if you, if if that is the route that they're gonna do, go down, then great. Like, like truthfully, if, like I know we've look, I don't understand a lot of it, and I know we've all took this before out of like the the data stuff and all that. But that is the way things are going. And like, if you want to be smart about it, you, you, look, you don't have to do, you don't have to focus every single thing that way. You don't, you don't have to like scrap all your scouts. And and see, we're just going to sign someone yeah. off a computer. Yeah. But there still needs to be an element of understanding. So yeah, you, you look at a player, exactly. you, you look at a player, and you think, "Whoa, he's a player." Exactly. And then somebody goes, "Ah, ah, 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 his date is not very good." You, you know, there needs to be some. Yeah, exactly. Mix the two. And, yeah. And if we are doing that, then then great kind of thing. I mean, like, um, I just I think like it's a it is it's a big step forward if if we are doing that, and if the manager's on board with that and and hopefully he is because like in the long run it's going to save the club money and it's going it's going it's to help everyone it's just I suppose we'll wait and see I mean on, on the like on O'Brien that truthfully like if I've if I've seen him play I can't remember <laughs> so I, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like pass pass judgment on him until I see him like the Millwall the Millwall fans seem pretty like um pretty glowing about him um Sounds like he's got a good attitude. Like I, I read a piece, um, where he basically, a lot of his, I'm sure a lot of his friends and that like ended up in like kind of gangs and stuff, and he had to, he had to take himself away from that and better himself. And obviously, he's professional football, so he has. Um, so I mean that that 
that speaks well of him. But on top, on top of seeing it's it's going to be hard to uh, to really pass judgment. But I think like go back to what we're saying. Yeah, like midfield, just like just a bit of pace, just so, just a bit of variety. Because I feel like we, we constantly sign central midfielders who all do the same thing. Like even mm. even Scowan, who I'm not I'm not tagging off. I haven't seen enough of him, and and I think actually if if he's fit, he, he he'll he'll be an asset. But he very much does jobs that we we were already doing. If if that makes sense, and I just think I think we all uh, the the fan base was like divided on George Honeyman, but George Honeyman at least offered something different in terms of like the energy he brought to things, and I think. That was what we kind of hoped for from Dobson, and I'm I'm not sure we've seen it to the extent that we want to yet, and um, so yeah, I, th- I think a bit of, a bit of youth, a bit of a bit of vibrancy we need in the middle really. I think the problem is we've kind of got caught in between with the um, midfielders that we've signed because we've signed the Phoebe we've kind of gone for is to sign more ball playing footballers rather than athletes but the problem is they're not good enough footballers to justify the lack of athleticism if that makes sense so what you end up with is a load of like kind of stockpile kind of bitty kind of like average to half decent midfielders and I think across the board we just do need to see a lot more athleticism because when we do sign have a player with like a modicum of pace such as Denver Hume it stands out a country mile so as as you say, we need to kind of um, use this opportunity to really kind of like nail the recruitment because especially if the salary cap and that does come in, like your margin for error is even smaller. Well, that's the thing, right? And I, I think what you say about Hume there is a good point. Like really, when when we went through that really good spell last season, our best two players were Hume and Gooch, who were both like two of our kind of more explosive players, sort of thing. Now, once it felt to me anyway, once teams figured that out. It became a lot easier to play against. So I, th- I think you need a bit of that. Like, it's like the, you know how we always joke about players who like they don't know what they're gonna do next, but they're like they're like a massive asset at times because if they don't know what they're gonna do next, then the teams they play against certainly don't. And, uh, yeah, I, I I agree completely. Nick. I'm not I'm sure if Phil Parkinson thing, um, is gonna go for players who doesn't know who doesn't know what he's gonna do next because <laughs> well, he is very very methodical. There's a story that came out of Middlesbrough this week that uh, Neil Warnock had a big dust up with his um, with his recruitment team because they had identified two defenders that were like top of the top of the league in terms of stats, in terms of tackles made, and one on ones and everything. And he watched them on video, and he said neither of them could could defend. He just said he called us. <laughs> he thought he's like no, neither of them are, are defenders enough for me. So it's kind of marrying those that old school, which obviously Parkinson's a part of, and. And the new way of thinking and, and kind of finding a way forward that works works for both sides. Yeah, I think that that's that, that's bang on, and I and I think there's definitely going to be people who it's not going to work. Like it does not surprise me in any way that Neil Warnock is one of the ones <laughs> who's not who's not particularly keen on it. Nah, it's not for me, son. Because yeah, I'm not sure if they have like an X shit house <laughs> reading, but yeah, um, <laughs> you, put, you, you put your fancy machines away. But yeah, I've said it. We keep saying it, but I think genuinely, I do think there's an opportunity here. If if and I, I, I don't want to talk about potential takeovers or whatever, let, because for various reasons. But let let's assume that we are going into the season with the setup as it is then yeah like if if that's right about Rodwell that's great like let's embrace it like let's let's try a new approach because whatever we've done for the last two years it not only has it not worked it, we've actually got worse <laughs> if ever if it, if that was ever going to be possible yet it is um <laughs> we keep mentioning Aidan O'Brien and then, and then going back to the defence and then back to the midfield. Is there enough... Firstly, is there enough at that end of the field? Secondly, we've said this for a year and a half on the podcast, will a Greg... Somebody with that record at that level, should we be doing more to play to his strengths? Yeah. Anybody want to take that? I, I mean, I've, I've said those. this. I've said well, no, we've all said it on on different pods. I probably said it a year ago or a bit longer when we when we were doing preseason stuff last year. Just play it, play it to his strengths. It's it it's just it's bizarre that we're a League One club 
and we've got an asset like Will Grigg, who's who's a proven striker who scored goals. Um, pretty much every club he's played at, with the, with the exception of uh, I can't remember where he went, but um, we 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 shouldn't be the blip on his on his career. I'm sick of our club being the blip on players, good players' careers, and we just start, need to start playing to his strengths. I, I can't imagine that should be t- too difficult. You know, if Wigan managed it a couple of years ago, why can't we do it? Yeah, so what, what what would you say his strengths are then? I, I know that's quite a flippant response, but kind of so. Well, like, oh, go on, Chris. Will, like, Get get the ball get the ball in the box and he scores goals. Like he yeah. he scores the vast majority of his goals from like six to twelve yards. Now that like there's, But from the certain... moment from the moment Phil Parkinson walked in though, he said that about Wyke, which was interesting fascinating to me at the time. He walked in and he said it's all about finding out what players are good at. For example, when Charlie White was at Bradford and you look at his goals, they all came from balls across the floor into the box. And I was thinking You've referenced White over Grigg yeah. when you're talking about it's balls mad. into the box that's on what, the floor. That, that's why it's mad. Like, like, look, like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Will Grigg's been like Will Grigg's deserved, deserved better. Like he's been amazing and all this sort of thing. Deserves better treatment, right? Because because he hasn't and he doesn't. But like, like yes, what you're saying there, Stephen. Like it, it's baffling that Grigg wasn't the one who came to mind. If that was the topic of discussion, like. You look at the goals he scores. He doesn't. He doesn't take teams on by himself. He doesn't score screamers. He score. He's like he's a poacher. Now, when we signed him, we didn't play in such a way that created bagfuls of chances for a striker. We we had a really good centre forward who often created chances for himself. Mm-hmm. Now, so but now we're, we're a year and a half down the line. Why don't we? The, the fact that we can't get rid of him, we tried our best in January, we basically ostracised him, like we used to take him to away games and then not play him. Like, nobody, nobody took him. We're, we're certainly not going to get rid of him now unless somebody in the Championship decides to take a punt, which I'd be surprised at because he hasn't never really done that at that level. So why not build a team around him? It, he, he hasn't become a bad footballer overnight. He, he might be low on confidence, which I think he kind of admitted in that interview he did. He said that the miss was it against Blackpool. Said he'd never missed one of one of them in his life, so yeah, okay, like that that's knocked him, which yeah. it will do, fair enough. But he scored goals after that, like, I just think it shouldn't be too hard to to build a team around getting the ball, getting the ball in the box and getting getting bodies in there, because that's the other problem. We we don't get bodies into the box, so no. it's, it's it's really easy to mark one striker, like I just I think. Generally, like we've talked about there, like defensively, that's not what I'm massively worried about this season. I think, like, for all the faults of how we played at times under Parkinson, I think defense, like, that was clearly his his primary objective was to get the defense sorted out, and we did for for a big chunk of it. The problems came when when actually teams figured us out going forward, and then the pressure builds, and that's when you end up that's how you end up getting beat from that. It wasn't like we we're getting overrun in defense or whatever. And I just think, to me anyway, they, they should be trying to build the team around him. Because otherwise, you've got a bloke getting paid a fortune who can't shift, who's just sat there doing nothing. I totally agree. I think it's been a constant feeling. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Jack Ross ultimately didn't work out in the end. Because last summer, when you've got an asset like Will Grigg, it should have been the absolute priority of the entire summer to get the best out of him. And we didn't take that opportunity. Mm. We, we messed around, like kind of experimenting three at the back, five at the back, but we didn't really do our utmost to get the best out of Will Grigg. Because, like you say, if you get like Will Grigg firing in that league and you can kind of complement him with someone like um, O'Brien, who has a good record, then you should be able to get promoted if you're solid enough at the back. Mm. There's probably people screaming at us saying that you know they're, they're not happy with his attitude or he's he's, he's the, the way he um, conducts himself on the pitch. <laughs> and um, never happy. Yeah. And uh, no, you, no, you you do take some of that on board because it's, it's easy to, to speak. It's easy to speak about things in theory, isn't it? And um, it sometimes when you are at the game, uh, particularly in away games, it seems it it. it, it it does sometimes look like he's, you know, well, is he making the runs and stuff, and is he doing this? And but it does, it could come down to confidence. It's, it's, there's clearly issues. There's clearly issues going on there. We don't know where players' state of minds are now because it's been yeah. a long time since since they've played football. And you know, a lot of that's been locked down, and and 
and they've you know players that may have had cycle not psychological but the kind of mental problems adapting to playing at playing at new clubs might have had a little bit of time to adapt to it and maybe kind of start to get a bit more excited for the season and kind of well I've got this opportunity to to turn things around at Sunderland and it's not all gone for us you know looking at that athletic interview that he did he wasn't disrespectful in any way about about where he was in terms of in terms of the move and he obviously wasn't 100% delighted to be leaving Wigan but that said it's a massive opportunity for him still to make a, a difference here and I don't think the door's fully closed on that yeah. I, I think like Stephen I, I think your point there is really fair because I think um, like if 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 he hasn't been put the or if he doesn't put the effort in that then yeah it's fair game I, I think the issue is for me anyway we've never actually like we've never set up in a way that looks like we are trying to complement him it's kind of been like you play for us now this is how we play and it does and it just doesn't suit him and, and, I, and I think yeah like it's funny you brought that athletic article Richard because I, I thought the same I, I thought I thought you, you definitely got a hint of he was kind of almost regretting it but like kind hopeful of, still what's that you say again Hopeful still that yeah, yeah, it was yeah, going to yeah, work. Yeah, he wasn't like completely closing the door, which of course he can't because he's still being contracted to us. But like, I think there's got to some something's got to give with Greg really because we could either try and play to his strengths and build the team around him, or we can just continue with what's gone on and he's never going to play for us again. Now, the- to me, that's a complete waste of time. You might as well try because he's proven at this level. Whether the manager likes Charlie White or not, Will Will Griggs got a better record at this level. Without going, sorry, Chris. Without going all Charlie Metford, do you think it might benefit Will Griggs like not Never having any that. fans in the <laughs> ground? <laughs> or, 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 or like full Metford. Or, or kind of, <laughs> or even if it's socially distanced, it's not going to be like the usual atmosphere yeah. that we used to. It's going to be a completely different experience. So, do you think, like, with no crowd, then maybe like you might have the kind of like freedom to just like kind of play a natural game, and then hopefully we can get a few goals before we're all back to I'll, normal. Then I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell you what, Mick. Park that because it's it's on my nose to talk about when we talk about fans coming back into the game. It's a, so it's a good it's a good point to make, and we'll we'll do it we'll quickly before we'll have a quick break and we'll come back and do the last ten minutes. Um, goalkeeper situation: Lee Burge is that enough or not? No. No, no, <laughs> no, abs- no, absolutely not. No, I, I don't think I don't even think I'd be confident with him as number one for a season. But, I wouldn't mind. This is this is me genuinely asking. Rather than um, being a comment, you're not a you're not a fan of the kid either, are you, Patterson? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm maybe being a little bit harsh, but and I haven't seen the under twenty threes as much as I have done over like the past few seasons. But when I ha- but when I have seen him, yes, I think he's a good shot stopper. But I think he's just a little bit kind of cumbersome. And the comparison I'm making is, do I think I'm going to be Simon Grayson here? But do I think he's better than Max Strychek? Probably not from what I've seen. And, Str- and Strychek, well, I watched him early when I went to see Hartlepool Eastley and he made a mistake and Strychek always had a mistake in him. So I'm not really confident that he's going to make it a League One level and I think he might be horrendously exposed if we had to chuck him in next season at any point. But again, like I'm no expert. I could be completely wrong. Yeah. I think okay. I think we should be well, dipping, into the, dipping into the loan market because there's a lot of Premier League clubs with lots of good goalkeepers on the books and it works a lot. It works a lot for um, you know, for other clubs, and we we just that seem w- to be that Wolves lad thing, Disney. He's been linked all summer. The yeah. one they've literally just bought. Right. I can't see his name. Um, right. It's like right. Eastern European. I don't. Oh know right, I thought he just I thought he just couldn't say his name because it was like embargoed or something. For legal reasons, yeah. <laughs> right. No. Um, it's in the paper. Lord Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not it's not it's not going to be a long term problem for us. You know, it it might. It might be something that we need to do if we ever get promoted. Um, right. You know, look at look at signing another goalkeeper to, to 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 take it from there. But I think there's enough decent goalkeepers out there for us not to worry too much about recruiting that position. Us. Okay. Right. Are we going to take a break now? Yes, we are. And then we will come back and we're going to talk about fans returning to the stadium. Um, and just a quick mention on the new kits as well. Let's get some positivity into it. <laughs> 
Okay, if like me, you have been building up stock in terms of T-shirts and polo shirts over the summer while football hasn't been here, ready for football's return, you'll be interested to know that from the terraces have a new city range out. You'll be interested as a Sunderland fan because currently they've got a Sunderland city range, a Leeds city range and a Glasgow city range. So Mick, you're covered on two accounts because the Glasgow <laughs> one covers both ranges and Celtic. So obviously the Celtic one, it's all, basically what they what what Chris has done at, at from the terraces with with these with his city range um, is they have created t-shirts and polos that are heavily associated with the colours of the side you support, but it doesn't cross over into when club merchandise if that makes sense. So it's still got the casual look from the terraces badge, and that's um, going on at the moment there. So the Sunderland ones are heavily red. Mick, you'll be interested in all the Celtic ones are heavily white with green representation. So. Uh, has anybody else been doing that, by the way? Or was it yeah. just me? From the terraces and elsewhere, I've been buying loads of T-shirts um, during lockdown. Yeah, I've been stockpiling for when we're Saving money back. going out to watch your football, aren't you? What's that, sorry? I said saving money to go out watching football, aren't you? So yeah, definitely. You buy stuff ready, ready to go again. Although one point, though, piggy bank. <laughs> I don't know why they're bothering bringing out uh, Ra- Glasgow Rangers City thing because Glasgow's green and white, as we all know, so... well well if you disagree with that comment it's uh, their range is blue obviously um, with red but if you want to go and check it out and as i said the sunderland are representing that obviously because um chris is from sunderland and and the company um originates from here remember that you can get your 10 percent discount code chris what is that it is wms10 yeah i see i wanted to put something (laughs) in the spot it's not did you you struggle with it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that forgettable as a discount code because it's just an abbreviation for Wiseman saying 10 because it's a 10% discount, but there you go. Um, but obviously there's, there's, there's more stuff as well. Short sleeve polos, long sleeve polos, um, <laughs> T-shirts, gilets. You got a gilet, Mick? I haven't got a gilet, but um, I've got a sweatshirt, <laughs> a polo, and I've just ordered a lantern jacket as well. There you go. Lots of stuff going on there, and don't forget your discount. That's the most important thing. WMS. 10. Okay, welcome back to the Wiseman Say podcast. We're just going to quickly finish up for you. We've got another 10 minutes or so. Um, positivity first, lads. We did a poll on Twitter, and there was only a five hour window on this poll, which is quite short for a Twitter poll because the default sentence is 24 hours, and it was over a thousand people voted on it, which I was quite impressed with. And that was just to see if people like the new kits. And um, 91% do. So that's nice, isn't it? That's encouraging. Yeah. The new Nike kits, of, of course, that the club have released. Oh, not released, but they've shown us them this week. They're based really smart. On previous, based on previous polls, that still means thousands of people have sent letters in support of not liking the kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly that is true. Possibly that is true. People have no, been so really angry is. that they're camping out at uh, Nike's headquarters and uh, <laughs> knocking on the door every day, commenting on the coffee machine. Harassing staff members. <laughs> no, mm. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, what, harassing staff members? Both, or by the way? There's echoes of, of the, the first Nike kit that they had, you know, with, with the, the solid colour on the sleeve. There's echoes of the last Nike kit that they did for us, which was either 2002, 2003. Um, obviously that's not remembered downside. for the footballing reasons but I was going to say that's the only downside of yeah. this kit, is that it makes you think of that season exactly in the season after it where we where we came so agonisingly close but, <laughs> but yeah no it's 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 nice to see and, and I know the uh, away kit's been leaked or it's been mooted or there's been a, a, a leaked picture on, on, on websites this week and if that's if that's the kit that we'll, that we'll get it, that's going to be nice as well uh, well, unless a, unless a, unless Aidan O'Brien's picked up another Nike kit and with a Sunderland crest on and stuck it on, <laughs> yeah, and stood in the picture of the really Stadium of Light, then I'm going to assume I'm going to yeah, yeah. Unless it's a really good Photoshop, I'm going to assume <laughs> that is the kit. I, I think um, I think Richard will appreciate this reference. I think both the kits, the sort of kits that I'll be quite proud of creating on, like the Master League on Pro Evolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to spend way too much time on that. Oh, I, changed my, I changed my team's kits every two seasons. And like, <laughs> like, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, new away kits and things like that. Very Sun- Sunderland, you know, it's red and white. And I always like it when red is the prominent colour when you can see Sunderland stripes. I always remember um, 
going back to the very first championship manager, which Richard might remember, you two, you two were too young. Um, and Sunderland's colour, you know, when it would just say goal for Sunderland and tell you which chance has got the ball and which player's got the ball and got a chance and stuff, would be white with red writing. Yeah. And I hated it. I hated it so much. <laughs> and um, this is the same. This would be the same. You know, when it's prominently white, I just don't like it. So I, I am glad about yeah. that. The red shoulders and stuff. That's why I didn't like last season's kit. To be fair, yeah, because agreed. it was kind of, it was it was white and red rather than red and white, wasn't it? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, one hundred percent. So that's nice, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, it's good to see the stripes on the back making the comeback as well. Because for me, the last few kits have, hasn't looked like authentically Sunderland, like you said, with the solid red back. So I'm much happier now. We've got the stripes on the back as well. Definitely. Do people here buy kits? No. I, 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 tend, <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm the end of the season guy. Yeah, I, um, I tend yeah. I, I tend to get them when there's like fifty percent off, and I need someone to play a five aside in. Yeah, <laughs> I got last season's away kit. Um, the blue one, but without the sponsor, which is quite nice actually. It's a, uh, but it's just like a standard template kit. You know, you see that with Wolves, and I think uh, uh, Cardiff have it as well. So it's, it's just a standard kit. But but it looks like there's a bit of yeah. thought going into this one, which is which is nice to yeah. see. I like how you know how we take the mic out me for being our like finance guy. Richard's, Richard's you can like say our... the word. You can say the word. You know, it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, see, Richard, I was going to call you Kit Guru, but Kit Guru. Stephen's now saying I'm going to call you Kit Nonce. So right, I do fine. That's fine. <laughs> but I do, yeah. but I do enjoy. When when was it? Was it Wednesday or was it yesterday? Thursday. Uh, Thursday. The kit. Yeah, yesterday the kits were revealed. Yeah, Thursday. And Richard was like, "This is meant to be bespoke," and then it came out. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, my first response was like, "It's a template." <laughs> and I like brought, I brought up the template that that they were going to use. And then, then someone said, oh, it's got stripes on the back. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> my template does not have stripes on the back. <laughs> but well, but it, it, uh, the, in technical terms, there is a team wear agreement. So that template kits are usually produced and then sent in bulk to, to the offices in uh, Spennymoor. And they get the names and numbers and the, all the badges and everything stuck on. Um, so they are strictly night kits, but they're being serviced by a, a third party. Mm-hmm. Which is usually why you see like lower league teams wearing very similar away kits to what you'd seen with like Barcelona. I know Hartlepool had a had an away kit that looked just like the Barcelona away kit from a season before. So that that's it's usually how it works with with lower league clubs, um, but it's not happened that way with Sunderland. Maybe because it's it the is, first year of the deal. It is really impressive that you are a kit guru or a kit nonce as yet. <laughs> And yet, you only buy the tops when they're on discount at the end of the season. I'm impressed oh, yeah, with I'm that. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> I've bought, I'll be honest, the club won't like us for this because none of us buy the kits, but um, I've bought one Sunderland top in 20 years. So that, that shows you how much... Yeah, uh, that's because you're a hooligan. It's not cool for you. Man, <laughs> <is it? laughs> no, from the terraces, however. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if you, if you look, fair play to them for that, and at least we look... Um, dashing on the pitch next season if you if you do want to buy a kit the discount code wms10 uh, is there on the club website if you go on <laughs> <laughs> if you are the person who would do something like that right okay are we going to get in the stadium then to um to watch the lads who's who managed to to get a season ticket or not managed to because some people made a, a conscious decision not to get a season ticket of course did anybody get, sneak into the 12,000 uh, that the club cut it off at no no uh, not no. you Mick no but I, but I haven't renewed so right okay um, well, while, while I'm while I'm furloughed I'm not I'm not going to take financial decisions that go beyond what could be my employment so Richard so that's I, the wrong I, I answer you said you said you're supposed to say it's because of the ownership. Anyway. You're supposed to say it's because of the ownership. Don't don't give us the furlough reason. Exactly. Well, you're Richard doing it for the cause. On my brand. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you've got your fairness, season ticket, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, my decision was motivated by the fact that there was no guarantee that it would be allowed in the stadium at any point. We were expecting yeah. to fork out for the, to basically watch a stream. But I mean, even um, if we do release like a few thousand more, even socially distance, I'm really keen to get back. So. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, I do have mine. Um, and before anybody calls us a scab, um, <laughs> just shut <shocking>. up. <laughs> <laughs> mine was kind of by default because my, 
my dad buys mine as my Christmas and birthday presents. And um, he he rang me about two days before the cutoff and said, I've I've got the season tickets for this season. And I was like, all right, okay. And then, uh, honestly, like the day or, or two after the club was said, right, we've cut it off. So... Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say that if I was doing it myself, I would have done otherwise. But I, I, I think I would have been more, more split over it. But I can't wait to get back. To be honest, get you it as a as a present. Is, so you know when your parents it, buy you Christmas and birthday presents. No, wait, I was just going to say, is it hard on your dad hate you? No, right, <laughs> yeah, there, there was. Yeah. You were building that up for something, right? Okay. <laughs> no, I think um, to be fair, I'm in exactly the same boat as me. Like as much as. Um, just took the took the mic there. Um, I think like like when they took them off sale, they, it was like it was probably like gut punch because despite everything that's gone on, like it's and despite, despite like we all know, well how how I think a lot of us feel now about what's been going on recently and the people in charge and stuff like it's your club and it and it's um it's hard it's horrible the the thought yeah. that you might not not be able to be there to to watch them that was it I mean I've like I, I've not missed a home game now for coming up kind of like 10 years since I moved like back to Sunderland there's, there's never been like a match there where like I've not gone to the game so for that concept it seems really weird to me that I could be like in the city on the day of the game but I wouldn't uh, be able to yeah. go it's just such a weird concept for us to get my head around so hopefully even if they're socially distance, we will be able to get back because it's what we all love mm. doing regardless of who the owners are who the managers are yeah it's going to be interesting as well because they're, they're allowing up to six in one bubble out the there bubble, to sit yeah. to, to sit so. a couple of seats apart. Just on that, and I, I, I'm assuming you're probably going to get on it, but like, I actually think the the plans that they've put out are actually really quite impressive. I thought, yeah, um, yeah, I agree. It, it, they've, they've, there's obviously a lot, a lot of time and effort well, and consideration gone into it, and I think. Um, where can people read those plans if they haven't read them already? They are. They I'm were so on. They were on ready to go. Um, Via the, um, I think via the, via the branch liaison. Yeah, it was the BRC. Right. I got yeah. I got sent a link to a thread on Ready to Go. But I yeah. don't know. Well, if I you want to share that on Twitter, Chris, just in case people haven't read them, and then we'll just yeah, we're, we're not I'd, going about it. We'll just let people read those for themselves. I don't know if it's been published elsewhere. That, I just got sent it, so I don't know yeah. if it's. I looked at Red and White Army early, and it wasn't there. So right. um, Ready to Go is where I saw it. Right. Okay. But the, we'll, I mean, we'll tweet. We'll, in simple terms, it, they. They have had to set the capacity of the stadium based on the space in the concourse. Yeah, is that that, that correct? But Something I'm not like sure that. whether they were going to open that space up further so that they could, or whether they would just close the concourse totally. I, I think that the bit that jumped out to me was like the east stand. They said it, the way it's working, they could currently only have I think it was like 28 percent capacity, yeah. which is obviously less than even like the third that we previously talked about. So. I'm guessing there's, but I think, but then you said it there, like Steve, like you can you can book as a bubble of people yeah. together. So, um, I, I think to to be fair, then like it's going to be quite complex how how they're going to go about it. But um, but the atmosphere yeah, will be strange, really strange. Be really, it'll be like did it, did did people go to the the Leicester game? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like it'll be it'll be like that. Not quite as bad because I think there was only six thousand on the ground, but that was when they like opened the whole ground up so you could have your normal seat in that. Yeah. But only like six k turned up, so you had like <laughs> so it was like you'd be sat there and the next person would be like thirty seats away or something like that. I, th- I think I think what um, I took away from that Leicester game is how depressing it must have been to support Darlow when they played at um, the George yeah. Reynolds Arena. Like, do you me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be weird because they are opening the the concourse back up now, aren't they? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what they're they're about. They're, they're, so they had to, had course, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. yeah. Um, just quickly then on on, on that, Mick, and you, you brought up earlier, a lot of people suggesting that the players will play better without this um, weight of expectation on them. Now, the Leicester result of performance would suggest otherwise. For example, <laughs> um, what do people think about that? I mean, I think my point was more kind of. 
specifically to Will Grigg, given his lack of confidence. I do actually think that um, it'll be a bit of a deterrent to us because I do think that when things were going well under Partinson, the atmosphere within the stadium was really good. And I do think there were a couple of goals where I'm not going to go as far to say the crowd can claim an assist, but where like when we were pressing really high up, the crowd really encouraged it. And the goal that um, I think it was Gooch scored against Lincoln when they were kind of messed around the back and the roar yeah. of the crowd as we were pressing and it kind of built up to a crescendo. And then when the ball like went in the back of the net, like particularly where I was like kind of the celebrations were kind of like really really good considering it was like a standard kind of win against Lincoln and we were like mid-table at the time so I do think that it might be a detriment to us without that kind of like passionate support roaring us on but on a more individual basis I think it could benefit the likes of Will Grigg if that makes sense what kind of numbers Hopefully. are we talking about having in the ground? I know they've capped the season tickets at 12 and a half. As they said so they were going to try and push for another two or 3,000, yeah. didn't they? Because yeah. if that's the case, that having 12,000 to the gates will still be higher than Wigan's average attendance last season. So we're still going to have... Well, we will do because we've got the biggest you know, biggest ground, so we've got more space to put people in. But you know, it, there'll still be a significant amount of people. And you'd probably be able to hear someone a little bit clearer as well if, if someone starts to get... Especially if it's like an anti-Will Grigg person and they, they start making their mouth go, you will be able to hear them. Um, just just some dar at the front. Oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> play, you know, the players the players might like kind of... It might sting them a little more. Like, you know, like uh, Daryl Strawberry in the, in the Simpsons episode where <laughs> <laughs> they just start chanting to, his name. <laughs> to be fair, though, I think, like... Because um, they're talking about... They're still talking about... September twelfth being the first day of the season, aren't they? Yeah. Um, no fixtures. And yet. and um, so yeah, so they're still talking about that, and then so fans won't be in until October at the earliest. So I think I think what you're saying there, Nick, is like a fair point. You're like there's a bit of an opportunity if we do do what we've talked about tonight about Greg. Um, there's a bit of an opportunity for him to hit the ground run and get his get his confidence up before before fans even get in the ground and then you have like the, the added upside of fans are coming in the ground and they've they've watched him on a stream for three weeks scoring a couple of goals and they're like oh actually that, that's to be fair I think I think the idea in my, in my opinion that um, they get scared off by the crowd is a little bit overblown I actually think for all um, for all we can be quite demanding I think I think we put up with a lot and I think we do actually get behind the team really quite well um, so I actually to be honest Nick couldn't have said it better for me I think for some individual players who might be struggling on confidence yeah it might help but I actually think overall it's it's probably yeah. a negative for us like it, it for like you've got to think our home record over the last two seasons it's actually been really good yeah, um, and there's there's a reason for that. It's not it, like it it is to do with the fans in the ground, right? No, I agree. And uh, it was interesting the other day. Dean Smith was interviewing the telly, and he got asked, "Do you think it helps or hinders the players?" And he said, "All players are different. Some prefer it, some yeah. don't." So I, I I don't think we can really um, make an exact science of that. So just right, we're going to finish up now. I only want. Your one-word answers for this. I'm going to give you three options, A, B, or C. And you're all going to give me A, B, or C, and that's where we're going to finish, okay? The club have um, said that they are in exclusivity with somebody in in terms of buying the club. Now, they have said that. I think numerous people, uh, numerous, uh, many of us have been told by interested parties that is the line. Is this question going to get me in trouble again? No, no, no. So the club club have said that... Um, (laughs) Three options, three possible options here, right? The club are talking to somebody none of us know about. That's A. B, the club are talking to somebody we do know about and they're just staying tight-lipped on the situation. Or C, this is all one massive red herring. And I want an A, B or C from you. So reminder, A, this is a group or a consortium we don't know anything about and that's why information... um, hasn't been coming out. B, it's somebody we do know about and they're putting everybody off by saying it's not us um, because the NDA. Or C, this is all one big red heron for whatever agenda that might be. Richard? C. Chris? C. Mick? Landslide C. Okay. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 